are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Knights of Paint Town, a City of Mist actual play podcast. I am your master of ceremonies, Mikey. You can follow me on my personal social medias at Pop Culture Geek, or you can follow us here collectively at the D&D Vibe Tri Productions. Make sure to give us a follow in order to stay up to date on everything that we got going on over here at the Vibe Tribe, which is a lot. We got a lot of actual play podcasts and then a few pop culture podcasts as well. So we're staying busy over here and there's something for everyone. Of course, as always, I can never do this alone. I am joined by my amazing cast of players who may or may not get into some shenanigans tonight. So I'm excited to see what happens with everything. But before we dive into the game proper, we're going to go and do some introductions first. So, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, Wesley, you're first on my screen, so you will be the first to go. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Wesley, and I'm playing Mac, the lovable, slightly insane, furry as hell construction worker who has the blessing and has been touched by Cernos and is ready to be a meat shield for all parties <laughs> oh man this is gonna be interesting tonight okay so the next player to get their little introduction going to be echo hello this is echo i am currently working on the time dragon clock for everyone who does not listen to this which i don't know why you would be listening to this episode before the others yes i am echo i play Corey o'reilly in this game and he is the our old mobster character from the Irish mob, and he has the Club of Dagda. And before I pass on to our next person, I would like to thank MC Hunter for actually listening to this and actually support supporting us by listening. Thank you so much, man. We love to see it. All right, next person to give their introduction to everybody is going to be Josh. Guten Tag and hello, Arazaisen. It is I, Josh, a.k.a. MG Preacher. You can follow me on TikTok at MG Preacher. You can also follow me on Instagram at MG Preacher Mark II. And tonight, I will be playing Sergeant Friedrich Krupp of the San Francisco Police Department. I am a canine handler, and of course, my canine companion is also my mythos. The lovable, at the same time, also very intimidating... Cerberus, Guardian. <laughs> Excellent. All right. And of course, last but certainly not least, joining us tonight is going to be Rage. Oh. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ryan, and I'm playing Jack, and my mythos is Ghost Rider. Yeah. And then, of course, for copyright purposes, because... We love Marvel, but we don't want the mouse to come and sue us. We will be referring to Ghost Rider also as Hell Rider or any other variation of it. Yeah. But man, this is going to be a good time tonight. I cannot wait. <laughs> we will nickname him the Avatar of Vengeance. Essentially. Or, or just Vengeance. Essentially, that's right. what he does. He's Nicholas Cage. I mean, oh my goodness. That is amazing. But... With all introductions out of the way now, let's dive into the episode proper. So last where we left off in Knights of Pain Town. So the unlikely alliance, you guys ended up coming up with 
some sort of a plan in order to get to Martha Ellis, who her mythos is the Banshee, which you guys come to figure out based on the investigation that you did. And then you guys had somewhat of a plan in order to confront her and to stop her. Unfortunately for our resident police officer, he had a one on one conversation with Martha Ellis in which she used her mythos of the Banshee to dive deep into what aches at his heart. So upon that, we were able to get a flashback sequence of Officer Krupp's childhood a little bit, particularly one incident involving him and his mother. And just the melancholy and sadness that it brought created a lock around like a spiritual lock around Officer Krupp's heart where Martha Ellis actually then just left him there to wallow in his sadness before going out into the lounge area to begin her concert. Thankfully, after having a conversation with Officer Quinn, Corey made his way in and was able to actually help Officer Krupp a little bit, reduce that sadness in order to get his head into the game, in order to stop Martha for whatever it is that she's planning. Also, I who's doing the inner monologue? So we'll get to that. Meanwhile, we had Mac and the rest of our crew inside. So those who were outside, we had the rest of the crew inside as they see Martha Ellis getting ready to take the stage before we hit Corey and Officer Krupp make their way from the back area into the lounge area where they rejoined the party and things are about to pop off. So before we get into, I want to say combat proper, I have rolled the dice. And one of the cool things, if you're not familiar with it for both the players and for those listening, is the inner monologue in which one of our characters will get to have an inner monologue to set the tone, set the mood, give their thoughts and feelings about what's to go down. And I have rolled the dice. And funny enough, Mac, you're going to be the one who gets this honor for this episode. So we get the inner monologue. So I'm going to let you take it away. The inner monologue likes Mac. I don't understand why we came down here to the bar, to this jazz club, but I still don't get jazz clubs. They make no fucking sense to me, not a single thing about them. We're walking in there with this pretty boy, Krupp, trying to take down Miss Ellis, I guess. Last time I saw her was seven sheets to the wind way too early in the morning. I mean, when he stepped back there, and it's been back there for a while all by himself. And now I got Corey walking in. I missed part of this because I was distracted by something else and felt like maybe my player wasn't here at the time when it happened, but not me breaking a few walls here. I know one thing for fucking sure that this banshee's going the fuck down. And if I go down, I'm taking the bitch with me. So here we go. I can't. I love it. <laughs> just, just, just a disclaimer. That is why we are friends. <laughs> I have to collect myself. This is great. Okay. I never thought so let me set- Oh, trust me. This is I love this so much. This is great. Okay, so before we get into the combat, let me paint the picture real quick and then it will be go time. So at this point, of course, inside of the jazz bar slash lounge slash whatever you want to call it, you all have reconvened with each other as Martha is stepped onto stage 
and she is well if she's in the middle of singing you guys see that she hasn't necessarily activated her banshee yet but the more that she begins to sing and the more that she connects with the audience you start to see the aura of the banshee it hasn't taken form yet but you can start to see that ashen gray kind of mist as Officer Krupp, you saw before at, before she manifested the Banshee. And the audience begins to become entranced with it. So at this point, as Martha begins to sing, though she is using her microphone, you can start to hear that the clarity and the consistency of her voice begins to distort a little bit. It goes from very soft and honey-like dulcet tones of what's typical of a kind of jazz singer, and it becomes a little bit and starts to become distorted as she starts to hit those higher notes. You can see that the threshold or hear that the threshold within her voice begins to become somewhat of a piercing kind of scream-like quality the more she hits the higher octaves as she's singing. And as you guys continue to witness this, you feel within your chest, you start to feel this uneasiness and this sharp, not even fear, but uncomfortability as the as the consistency of her singing keeps jumping back and forth between very soft and like warm like quality to her singing to a more cold and ear piercing kind of quality. And as she hits the crescendo of her number, the banshee behind her begins to fully manifest and the audience within it begin to start crying uncontrollably. So this is where we're going to start the combat as all of you look around and see what's going on. Officer Quinn and Officer Dawes immediately just start taking patrons and start trying to move them out of the lounge area and both give you for a kind of signal, nonverbal communication saying, do what you got to do. We'll take care of the bystanders. So here's what we're going to do. Oh, unless Echo, you had something to say real quick before we start proper. I'm going to be before comments are proper. I'm going to turn to pre to. Okay. I'm trying to remember his name. Krupp. Krupp. I turned to Krupp. Dead or alive? What's the. I'd prefer if we try to catch her alive. Okay. What about a live light? I don't care what happens to the Banshee, just as long as we try to take her, and I point to. Martha, as long as we try to take her in alive. I don't care what happens to the Banshee. Technically, but okay. I'll keep your girlfriend alive for you, don't worry. Oh my goodness. Okay, so here's how we're I, going to do this. I have a dumb idea. You got that chain. Yes. I turned the club into a ball with a spare chain link on it and put it on the chain. Get ready to throw- get ready. Alright. 
I would, um, I'm giving him plus one help if he starts the fight with this. That's my plan. Okay, so that's like the pregame. Mac and Krupp, I will allow you guys. Well, that's I will allow you guys to do one thing to kind of prep for yourself. So I will say that narratively speaking, as I was giving that description of the concert and as you were witnessing all this, I will say that each of you guys gets one kind of thing to prep and then we'll jump into it proper. So, Mac, what would essentially what would Mac be doing as he's seeing all this? Like, how would he prep for what's about to go down? Remove his hat, fold it, put it in his back pocket and then just let the antlers fucking grow. Because we're going to go to a little place called Gore Town. I've been waiting for this for eight episodes. We finally get a full transformation sequence. Guys, you have no idea how I'm excited for this. It's going to be great. All right. And then last but not certainly not least, Krupp, what is the one thing that he would be doing? Prepare himself for what's about to go down. I'm guessing when Doss and Quinn came in, Cerberus also came in with them. So I'm guessing Cerberus is also in the room with us. Okay. Considering that me and him had such a bond at the very beginning, I just look at Cerberus straight in the eyes and I tell him, I'm trusting you with, with my life, boy. And when I say that, I blink and my eyes basically turn into like a reddish dog. So then let me ask you this. With that being said, do you blow the obsidian whistle that you were given with Cerberus? You know what? This broad's got to go down. I'll, oh I'll shit! For, for a, uh, we were doing so up well. on the, the banshee's cursing you. Where I, <laughs> I had obsidian whistle, I blew that whistle for him to come. I'm running in. Okay, and so just the point of editing. So You're coming in clearer now, but I'll do a quick recap so that it'll be fine. So point of order back in. Okay, so as you take the obsidian whistles. And your eyes are a glowing piercing red now. You purse your lips. You put the whistle in. You blow. And as for the rest of you, you can't really necessarily hear because it's a dog whistle. But as. Oh, yeah. Actually, no. Mac, you can hear this because technically you are a beast now. So you have those keen animalistic instincts and senses. Now that you're in your transformed state. But as you guys look over at Cerberus, that the good old doggo that you are used to seeing, you see a black shadow begin to coalesce around him. And you swear that for a brief moment, you swear that you see two other shadows like heads begin to form on both the left and the right of Cerberus and you just see these three dog heads begin to growl and foam at the mouth and with that being said in addition to Krupp's eyes and teeth becoming more canine like now this is where we're going to get into the combat proper so here's what we're going to do so combat in City of Mist is mechanically different than most other tabletop RPGs instead of rolling for things like to hit or to see who goes first and all that goodness. City of Mists' 
combat system is more cinematic. So we go in order. Everyone gets a chance to do something to narratively help. However, what I'm going to do is, is that I'm going to take at least for this first one, I'm going to have each of you roll a singular D6. So a six sided die and then an order. So that way everyone's not jumping all over each other. We're going to create an order so that way everyone gets a chance to do something. And then for me, I will have Martha go last in the order so that way she gets a chance to respond to everything that's happening. I'm going to give my six to rage. Okay. Damn. Okay. I I need him to go first for my plan to work. Okay. So then re-roll for you and see what happens with that. That's a three. Okay. Uh, So let me just uh, write this down real quick. Continue. Oh, is it okay if I give Echo my roll that I just got? Which would be five. (laughs) Yes. The plant's coming together. I don't have any qualms with it. This should be very interesting for sure. Okay, so let me just write this down so I don't forget. So that is a six or rage. Echo gets a five. Mac, what did you end up getting? One. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then good old crappy boy, what did you and Cerberus get? Because you two are going to go together at the same time. I rolled a six. Oh. Okay. Hey, he can, he can go first. Me and Ray just need to do our things right after yeah. each other for this plan to I'll work. I'll let him first. He can take number one. All right. So, crap, are you cool with going first? Okay. All right. So then with all that established, and now that I have it written down, so let us begin proper. So, once again, at this point, combat's going to be cinematic-based, so we're going to cinematically see how successful or how... Uh, epic of a failure this ends up being so at this point Dawes and quinn so they are currently in the middle of grabbing patrons and taking them out the door so those two are preoccupied as the banshee fully manifests behind martha as she continues to sing her ballad so krupp and by proxy cerberus you four are about i want to say near the stage but you're about a good two three feet away from it so you're like towards the front of it but not at the very front so there's a little bit of a distance between but other than that you can get to her right away should you wish so to begin Krupp what would you like to do no don't tell me we lost him <laughs> no you didn't lose me I'm just contemplating the gears are turning because you got to cinematically, and you got to incorporate the tags. Mikey, it's the plot is thickening. <laughs> there is a reason why I'm using Rage first. He's got my club on that chain. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll get to you guys in a little bit. I'm interested to see how crap is going to set this all. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, so right now, the biggest thing is for me or for us to try to get her to quit singing, theoretically. No, that's fair. And I wouldn't consider it giving away secrets. But because of the plan you guys came up with, 
the first goal should get her, should be to get her to stop singing. And then obviously the goal after that is to find some way to incapacitate her. So that way you can take her in for everything that she has done. So those are the two main objectives. So just keep those in mind. Okay. I don't really know what to do. Okay. So here's a couple of things that you can do. Remember, I know it's weird because it's open ended, so you can pretty much attempt to try to do anything. So you could try to get Cerberus to attack her directly. You can try to get him to get the microphone away from her, which is amplifying her singing. You, you can, can have Cerberus set up for someone to hit with all they got. You can do something risky. You can do something sneaky. You can do some investigative work still. I know it's so open ended, but essentially yeah. you can do okay, anything. Do you can try really anything. I'm going to try something stupid. I'm going right, to what you got. I'm going to have Cerberus basically play fetch with the microphone. Try to get the microphone away from her. And to try to get her to quit singing, I'm just going for an Australian tackle. So you're going to have Cerberus be the Australian tackler in this situation? I'm, I'm going to have him go for the microphones to get the microphone away from her. And I'm just going to try to bulldog her. Okay. Because the two of you are going together, we're going to essentially both of you go get to use your tags together. But we'll see how successful the two of you are. So you're going to end up rolling for both. So which power tags are you going to apply to the situation to not only wrestle the microphone away from her, but also tackle her to the ground? I didn't think about that. Like the way I described it, basically how Cerberus quote unquote play fetch for the microphone. I'm going to try to use the power tag man's best friend because that's one thing that you do with your doggos is play fetch a lot, or at least you're supposed to. And uh, since I've had to tackle many people, I'm going uh, to also try to implement the, the tag seen it before. As in, I pretty much know where to jump after somebody in order to knock them down and incapacitate them. Okay. So I will say that those two tags will definitely come into play. So is there any other tags you would like to add? Or are you good with those two? I'm going to try to keep it with just those two there. Okay. So then go ahead. You're going to roll your 2d6 and you are going to add plus two to whatever you get on the dice. And then we'll determine whether it's a strong, a soft or a f failure. Okay. That'd be a total of 10. OK, that is a strong success. So it definitely gives you mostly benefits. OK, so crap for you and for you specifically, once again, through your training and just experience of being on the Paint Town Police Force, this is nothing new. Standard tag em, bag em, like to de-escalate the situation in these circumstances, you know what to do. And so on instinct alone, though you and Cerberus have only been a team for, in reality, a couple of days, you guys ended up 
working flawlessly together, Cerberus jumps on stage and begins to wrestle the microphone away from Martha as she is fighting for control to keep the microphone. And as her attention is preoccupied with Cerberus to keep that microphone in her possession, she is unaware of Ukrup going onto the other side of the stage and then full-on bulldog tackling her to the floor, which you are successful at. However, as you begin to try to take hold of Martha, there is a chilling indifference in her facial expression as she is looking into your eyes and she says, Oh, Officer Krupp, I had hoped that it wouldn't come to this, but unfortunately, it seems that I can't save you from your pain. And as she continues to talk to you, that lock around your heart that she placed on you begins to manifest itself once again. And within a quick motion, she with her hands touches the lock and you just at, you're still holding on to her. But you begin to feel a weight of unmeasurable sadness and emotional pain begin to course through your entire being. So what's happening to you now is she is going she is manipulating the lock. And so your broken heart now goes up back to two. You're still in a hold of her, but you are taken aback by the pain that is coursing through you. And she begins to start to slip through your hands as you are struggling to hold on to her, as if she's becoming incorporeal herself. So she is starting to slip away from you. So we're going to actually go now to uh, Mac and our good old hell writer. So the two of you have this plan. So walk me through this. What is happening? So you're witnessing Krupp tackle her to the floor, but she's beginning to slip away from his grasp and kind of rise, so to speak. Yeah, what are you thinking? Can you hold her down for me? Yes. There's a reason why I gave you that ball for a very specific reason. Could I actually use with that my flame I, on ability to engulf the fl the flames onto my the biker chain which and strength uh, even more, which now has a wrecking ball on it. Yep, I came in like a wrecking ball. Wait, why don't I set it on fire too? <laughs> I could knock her out. Maybe I could probably uh, go for a knockout. <laughs> Hit her right in the head. I believe this is a plus one with the club. Yes, that would be correct. Okay, so let's get a plan of action. So your intent for both of you is to use your powers combined in order to try to incapacitate Martha. Is that correct? That's what he's doing. I need her to be, be incapacitated for my plan to go into action. Okay, so then this is what we're going to do, Rage. It is a plus one with the club already. You're going oh. to be using your flames to set it on fire. <laughs> That's another plus one. What does the biker chain give, give him again? It just adds a range. 
Yeah, so oh, the range is there. So you guys are in a jazz lounge, so the range is quite there. So I think that plus two will work That's because I know. Party. Yeah, That's those the are the. Mm-hmm. Should I go for the wraparound to tie her down like a hog tie or <laughs> should I just go for the knockout? Uh, if you tie her down, I, I might be able to knock her out with one hit. All right, let's do that. All right. I'm a- <laughs> okay, so with uh, that being said, we're going to say that this is going. Hmm. Yeah, we'll say, yep, going toe to toe. So Rage, you got a plus two. So you're going to roll two six sided die and you're going to take that and add two to it for a grand total. So let's see what happens here. OK, I got eight. That's ten. <laughs> so ten. OK, that is a strong success. So mostly works. All right. And you have two things you could choose from go toe to toe, which is basically here's the option that you have. You achieve your goal. You you get them good. You give your opponent a status effect with the tier plus what your power was, which was plus two. Or the last one, you block, dodge or counter their best attempt to hit you back. Let's go for the wraparound, see if we can get it. I still okay. want it. So that's achieve your goal. So you still mm-hmm. got one thing you can choose left. Do you want to do damage or do you not want to get hit? I want to do damage. Back? I'll do damage as well. Okay, that is easy enough. So let me just make sure I get my pencil so I write this down. Okay. You know what? Now that I think about it, this is the first actual time we get to see a full transformation. So rage... Before I narrate exactly your what how before I narrate your success, can you describe to us what transformation for Dean into his Hell Rider persona looks? Yeah, the first thing is you'll see his eyes disappear to where they're nothing but hollow and black. Then you'll see him lose the skin to where he turns into you can see some muscle. But like bones popping out as well. And then you just see shooting flames out of his back and coursing through his arm. And then the bones are like charred black and then red correlates into it. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. No, Wesley, that is not what happens. (laughs) As funny as that would be. No, it does not. Though that is a funny gag for later. I'm going to keep that in the back pocket. (laughs) Okay. And so as all of you begin to be like, what smells like it's burning? You guys turn and Dean just full on hollowed bones and on fire. So as this transformation takes its finality in the whole process, Dean, you whip that chain, which is also on fire. You whip that chain as you have done before. And normally... These types of things wouldn't infect anyone that is incorporeal or any ghost like you can't really have any physical items wrap around. But because of the origin of the chain and the origin of your mythos, this is a, it's a different case. And this change to Martha's surprise, she is a little caught off guard as she gets hold out of Krupp's grasp find herself beginning to be tied down with this chain 
and you currently have it wrapped around her and she's floating in midair now at this point as she's beginning to struggle to try to get out of it. And as you have this chain, so we'll get to you in a sec, Echo, but as Martha begins to continue to struggle in this chain, you start to see that composure that she had before in this melancholy sadness state. You begin to see that the banshee behind her begins to still coalescing behind her, but you can see that her physical appearance begins to change even more as that hair that was in a bun before and cleaned up begins to become tattered and messy and begins to float in all different directions. And you start to see that her eyes become a ashen gray color and you start to see that she is starting to become more Banshee-like with it. So, Echo, we are going to go to you. So, currently she is floating midair wrapped in Dean's chain. And she is beginning to lose her patience a little bit. So what is your intention here? Where is the ball? Is it on the ground? We'll say that through the combination of the chain and the ball is currently on the ground because you guys mixed your stuff together, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, I will say, think of the images as like the majority of the chain is wrapped around her, but the ball is like dangling beneath her feet. It's on the ground but it is attached to the chain of what didn't wrap around her kind of like a top of some sort it's like an anchor somewhat exactly okay i'm going to do hit with all you got because she's currently tied up as Corey o'reilly starts running up to her he's going to take some burn damage he's going to grab the the ball Shapeshift it back into Tantha, the flame's still on it, and uppercut her in the face as she's currently up there. Okay. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna gonna try. You're literally gonna fireball her. That's beautiful. (laughs) We shall. You're gonna try at least. So, that would be super strength plus shape change. Plus, let's get dangerous. Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I'm going to take the weakness of it's still heavy to have two. And Tavern Brawler brings it back up to three. I'm literally punching her in the face with a giant stick. <laughs> but the thing is with Tavern Brawler, the way that we discussed about it, it's more of using impromptu weaponry, such as if you're going to hit her with a, like a stool or a drumstick or something. This ball is an actual weapon, so I'm going to well, say that but, yeah, okay. ta- yeah, Tavern Brawler wouldn't apply here. It would apply well, if you were using like the speaker or something very unconventional. Okay. You still got a plus two, so. I gotta figure out how that works, but I'll accept plus two. Like, I'm trying to think, would the weakness still count as a power tag? No, it's a weakness tag. Yeah, the weakness Uh, tag always subtracts one, so it's balancing out. Sadly, I don't have a dynamite move. Oh no, what happened? What'd you get? I got 12. Holy shit, bro. That's five plus five plus two. (sighs) Okay, cool. Would still count as dynamite if I had it. That is true. But still, uh, that is a very strong hit. So, you know, what? So, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you narrate this. How do you uppercut <laughs> Martha with this? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to do something hokey. I'm uppercutting, cutting her Ryu from Street Fighter. With the top in the hand. 
Oh, jeez. Uh, and I'm going to give her the status effect because I hit her. I'm going to take the one. You get them good. So instead of being a plus two to knockout, I'm going to give her a plus three to knockout. Okay, as the status effect. Yeah, I'm trying to knock. They want them alive. I, it's not my usual goals, but they want them alive. So I got to do that. And then the second effect, which I'm going to take, is I'm going to take. I'm going to take some. I'm going to take some cover because I know she's going to try to come after me. After that. <laughs> I mean, Martha's pretty pissed at a lot of you at this point. Don't worry about it. So you take cover. Hey. That'll be it. <laughs> Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh boy, here we go. Okay. So this is the moment I've been waiting for all of my life, or at least the last couple of months. So Mac, you're seeing your allies with all this. Actually, let me ask the three of you a question before I get to Max. The three of you, have you guys actually taken a look at Mac currently now at all so far? No, most like most likely not. Okay, and then Krep, I'm assuming Krep, I'm assuming hasn't either. Correct, bud? Nope, nope. I was just wanting. Okay. Oh boy, this is gonna be a great thing, Mac. Before we get into your intentions of what you want to do for the players and for the listening audience. Give us a good verbal description of what awakened Saren. Nunos. So originally a six foot seven, slightly burly guy is now roughly seven foot six, eight foot something with the antlers. Uh, the face has been drawn forward, which is very uncomfortable into a almost stag like face. Legs are bent backwards into hooves. He also legs legs bent backwards into hooves. Arms growing a bit longer, nails growing, <laughs> nails growing on the end, and he just stares straight ahead at all that's happening. I'm assuming we have Corey sitting there with a, with a weapon underneath her. I'm not exactly sure where Dean is. Krupp is on the ground, and all he does is look and just, oh, the fuck. And now I go, come on, what I got to do? Oh my gosh, he's so excited. Hey. I cannot break <laughs> Hey, Mikey, can I tell you what I'm doing right now? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All right. So I'm sitting there on the sidelines. I have my tongue out, and it's like a venom tongue. So it's just sitting out, smiling on fire. And I, okay. have, my, and I have my fist up in the air, rooting for Echo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is great. So, yeah, so that's happening. So, Mac, uh, here, we're going to go to you. Oh, man. So... I'm excited. I can't wait. Sorry, I'm fanboying right now. <laughs> All right. So, so everything that has happened, Krupp did a good try. But and then your other friends basically have incapacitated. All three of them have incapacitated her in the sense that she's struggling to get free of their combined efforts. All right. You monster of a man. What do you hey. plan on doing? Oh, this is just a for just for reasons. Krupp looks like he's in a little bit rough shape. Like he's not exactly doing great. Not hurting, but like something's wrong kind of thing. Okay, just want to make sure because he's going to, since she's incapacitated, he is going to slowly, there's no rush. She's not going anywhere. So he slowly walks up 
and is going to hit with all he has on an incapacitate of somebody. Just looks down very, you know, nice and slow and says, Get fucked with my friends. Okay, this is going to be great. All right, so power tags for this. A laundry list starts. Um, wearing animal shapes, he has antlers. Feral instincts, because he knows exactly where he's going to hit her. Tear them to pieces. Ignore own wounds, which means he isn't going anywhere after he hits her. Unbridled ferocity and terrifying roar. Oh, and while I'm at it, protective. Holy shit. And we'll take one away for uh, seeing red. Oh, that, that's where I'm going with it. So that is a plus six, and there are no arguments I can give to not include any of these. <laughs> when you have a veteran player <laughs> know what the hell they're doing. This is... Uh, oh, the, yeah, the scary part is he doesn't... The scary part is, if he gets dynamite, that is much more scary. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is about to be a massacre, but like so, in the best way possible. He's just going to reach down and just slam her head against the ground. Like I'm not sure if it's or the Banshees. Someone's head's getting slammed on the ground. I don't know whose. Technically, it's both, because remember, your mythos, think of the mythos as like, if you're familiar with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, or even Persona series, like your mythos manifestations are essentially you just in a different form. So if you take damage, they take the same thing. So regardless, they're both about to get their heads concaved into the stage. So with the plus six, go ahead and roll it. And oh, God, let's see what happens. Don't get between. Holy, holy shit, dude. Are you kidding me? What did he get? So he got an 18, which means mathematically he rolled two sixes plus that six gives him 18. That's a whole on dynamite and a half, bro. (laughs) Holy shit. And remember, I'm still looking and I'm really excited about this, too. You just see me on the side. I just just look up from behind the table. Be like, oh, she done messed up. Holy shit, Wes, that is amazing. The best part, I'm picturing this after the uppercut. She's still going up and then the slam. Yeah, I'll say that. And I'm just going to grab her midway and just all I have face first into the ground. I'm not even going to make you choose with the three that Echo gave her. You add the rest of it to knock her quote unquote unconscious. So as you. Mac, as you take Martha and you just grab her and slam her onto the stage, she's still in one piece, but the just visually as the impact of her and the Banshee hitting the stage connect with her body, you just see in Martha's eyes that piercing gaze that she gave as she was trying to go full Banshee. You just see the eyes go a glassy white and roll in the back of her head a little bit and as her body slightly recoils and arches up upon the impact of hitting the stage the banshee just lets out a terrifying scream before disappearing and evaporating per se as since with martha being knocked out she is not awake to access the banshee powers and as her body just lay there you see her knocked out eyes rolled in the back of her head But for you, Mac, you also see a small stream of two to three tears begin to fall from her eyes 
as she lays there unconscious. So I was not expecting all this craziness, but ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. Not only did you survive your first combat, you managed to be successful in stopping the singing and knocking her out. I was not expecting that to be so quick, but y'all were amazing. And as she lays there, Mac is going to lean down, get right up next to her ear because she's unconscious and go, because sir knows, and I will last a lot longer. Holy crap. Lean over and he asks that. And you come face to face with Mac Sarah Nuno's form. I don't say anything. I just look at him with my canine teeth. I'm wearing. I give like the creepiest and at the same time most satisfying grin ever. It's like happy I mad dog. Oh jeez! When I used to So at this point. Yeah, now Martha Ellis is unconscious. I'm assuming that, Dean, you still have the chain wrapped around her, correct? Yep. Okay. Who's putting on the handcuffs? What? Can I incinerate her into ashes? No, you can't. There's literally cops around. There is a cop. (laughs) Krupp is the cop. But you also have two other cops, and I don't think that would be a great look. Because remember, the plan was that you guys were going to incapacitate her, but not to burn her into ashes. And don't forget, they gave me shit for hiring a hitman to keep an eye on them in case this got south. They didn't say anything about broken spines, though. No, no, no. You're More not gonna break the spines, if we're being no. completely honest here. No, if we break the spine, then there's legal troubles. We break the kneecaps because those heal. Break your Nico kneecaps. Oh my that, goodness. Uh, I, I was actually thinking of the song Kneecaps and Nails because Magic the Gathering actually made good music, surprisingly. Oh my goodness. So at this point, as you will say for the sake of it, that you guys have her incapacitated. And as Officer Quinn and Officer Dawes come in. Now, remember, Officer Quinn is still technically a sleeper, so he doesn't see through the mist. So he just sees the four of you just. And Bigfoot. And he just sees a hairier version of Mac. And he's just, whoa. I was like, Mac, I need you to tell me your, what your products you're using, man. Like, It's all hormonal. It's all hormonal. It's, you know, the moon and phases of the moon, stuff like that. So it's it, 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 that's all I got for you. And yeah. also showering once every four days. That's all you do. As you just hear him whisper, maybe I should do that. Dots, on the other hand, she sees for what everything is and she just looks at everyone. But her gaze first towards, turns toward you, Mac, and she's just without even saying anything, she just gives you like the silent thumbs up. She's and just I'm, nods. I'm, OK. I'm slowly putting the fire out that's still on the top foot, just like putting it out real quick. You're just like, put it out. And officer, go ahead. Sorry. I said, I'll just help him real quick and just go over and pinch it. And then it goes out instantly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love it. So officer Doss goes over to you. Krupp, are you still currently in your like combined Cerberus humanoid looking form with the teeth and the eyes real quick? I'd say yes. But as soon as I finish putting the cuffs on Martha and I turn and I see Doss showing up, she can notice that my canine teeth are actually starting to kind of subside. And my, okay. eyes, my eyes are still red color, but they're not like a flaming piercing red. They're, they're also a subside. Okay. So I will say that 
she notices it, but as you narrated, they're beginning to regress and you're going back to your form. And so she walks over to you. She just kneels down to you. Again, non-verbally, doesn't really say anything, but she just smiles and puts her hand on your shoulder and just gives you an approving nod of acknowledging that you are now a full-on rift now that you've used your powers in more in a combat situation. And with your help, Krupp, and the help of Dawes, you guys take Martha's unconscious body and you take it back to the police car waiting outside. I I, I had to I put something in the mouth so just in case she gets up and tries anything, it's not gonna be that effective. Yeah, hey. Give her some like horse tranquilizer or something. Sit in there. <laughs> Just give her a sedative. It'll be fine. Oh my goodness. That's great. And so as you guys make your way to the car, Officer Quinn is waiting there. And as you begin to put Martha into the car, you all are taken aback a little bit as another police car pulls up behind your guys' like turning around the corner and is slowly coming towards you and parks right behind yours. As you guys take a look at this police car, though it's like your regular kind of con- like convertible Ford Mustang make and model of police car. So it's not like a big old SUV. It's one of the more smaller standard ones. In a very kind of comical fashion, despite how small the car is, stepping out of the driver's seat is the good old chief of the crap. It is your boss that kind of steps out of the car. Once again, he is very muscular built. He has this very kept and long, like gray and silver ish beard with the same coloration in his hair. He's dressed in his uniform and as the four of you take a look at this, he just strolls on over and just says in a big kind of bellowing voice. He's just like, my, it seems that you guys have accomplished a lot more than I thought you would. Congratulations on your first case solved. How does it feel? He sees, well, obviously he sees through the mist, so I'm still transformed. So I'll be. Oh, yeah, that's <sighs> right. I still got like flames on my back and everything. Oh. I'm the oh. only person who looks normal in this group. But you're holding a big old ball and she, like the ball chain is still wrapped around her. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I quickly turn, I, I look at the top I turn, I quickly turn it back into the game. No combat. Like, nope, not causing the scene. I'm good. So it doesn't look like I'm carrying around a flail or something. That fl- the, the flail was the original plan for, the, for me to get that shape change bonus in. My first thought was I was going to wrap the chain around her and just grab her and then slam her down to the ground as hard as I could. That would have worked, too. Oh, speaking of which, now that you mentioned that y'all are still in, seeing through the mist, you guys are still in your current forms, except for... Crep, who said that it begins to retract. However, this also works in opposite, too. So as the four of you are having this conversation, whereas before, at least for Krupp, you really couldn't tell now. But for Krupp and for the three of you, you also see through the mist as well. What to Quinn is the chief's 
typical police uniform, like the white shirt with the black tie, the black slacks and black shoes and his long silver beard and hair through the mist. I'm just going to give this to you for free. So through the mist, that white shirt is still there. But instead of the typical standard button uniform, that it is like this sleeveless kind of toga inspired type of thing going on. So think of like those gym. Think of those like those gym shirt, like the sleeveless, like hoodie tank tops, things that a lot of athletes wear when they're training. So it's like that. And the black pants are more replaced with a longer kind of toga going down a little bit. You see a golden wreath adorn the top of the chief's head and his eyes go from like a hazily brown to a very stark eh, greenish color. And you start to see that there his police pin that is on his shirt gets replaced with a lightning bolt. So I'm not going to make you roll for it. As I mentioned, I'm going to give this to you for free. But you are looking the chief. You are looking at his current mythos of the Greek god himself, Zeus. So he is good. Uh, oh, yeah. He's a- the the okay. chief is great. Like he's aware that you guys can see him. It's like that audio that's been going around. Be like, I see you. You see me. Deal. That'd be strange if he was looking over at me. <laughs> He'd probably think I was his brother Hades or something. Is that? In, did you say that in character? I'm nah. assuming that was out of character. No, I was going to say. I don't know. So once again, non-verbally, he acknowledges that you guys are the riffs, but you could tell that he already probably knew this information going to into it. But Chief looks specifically at you, Krupp, and just gives you an approving nod and says, I knew I was right to ask you, Dawes and Quinn, to investigate. And it seems that it paid off. So good job in bringing in the culprit for these recent rash of murders. I appreciate the, uh, the confidence that you had in me and my team. Of course, I had no doubt that you would get the job done, and it seemed that you were f- able to find some allies to help you in your endeavor as well. We couldn't have got this, uh, this job done without them. Especially the big <laughs> man over there, and I kind of not had tilt my, my head over towards the man. So... The chief looks at you, Mac, and just despite being pun intended, being built like a Greek god, there's a warmness to him as he just looks at you with his green eyes and just gives you an approving nod and just says, Sarah Nunos, huh? Yeah. It's been quite a while since I've seen anybody. It's been quite a while since I've seen Sarah Nunos pick someone. And it seems that he didn't fu- make a mistake in picking you. This is, I just imagine it's so funny because the myths of Zeus, he's this very tall Greek god of a man. So I'm just imagining like him and Mac are like of equal heights, just like looking at each other. And Dak does, Corey's smaller than them, but Dak does, is actually a giant. And oh my goodness. A foot and a half shorter than them. Oh my goodness. You're still a pretty boy. How are we going to deal with this person? About that. As the chief speaks up. 
we'll discuss more when we get back to the precinct, but just go ahead and meet me back there and I will let you, I'll help you out. There's a special unit that we used within the precinct for these kinds of out of the ordinary cases, if you will. Okay. And so I'm just imagining, and you can correct me guys if I'm wrong. I'm just imagining like getting into the police car, like Mac is like trying to squeeze into the SUV. To reach the point, he's just going to walk. He's like, this is just, this is, even though it's all the missing, he's like, I'll walk. It's not that far. <laughs> yeah, I could help him out. I'll just be like, hey, you need to, my chains to squeeze down your body. <laughs> Have the chains squeeze you. So you can just, just like just strap them to the roof rack. Just strap them to the roof rack right behind the lights. Here, okay. you, you can go. Is that what we want to do? Because I'm here for it. One hundred percent. I want him strapped to the roof. Everyone else who's not a riff would just see a rather tall guy strapped to the roof of a police car or behind the light. See- or they'll well, just they see a rug. That'd be the best thing ever. So yes, let's do that, please. Or they might just see him as a rug. Oh my goodness, it's just, what's this random looking thing on t- Okay, that's exactly, that's what's happened. We're strapping Mac to the car, so as you guys finish securing Mac into the car and strap him on top, there's a little bit, and there's a little bit of weight that kind of presses down on the top of the SUV, but it's nothing that it can't handle. And as you guys secure Mac and get inside the car yourself, you guys make your way to the precinct as you enter in the gate and park the cars and then bring in Martha along with the rest of you guys and the chief into now normally crap for you procedure to take in anybody and put him in the holding cell. But since this being a special case, the chief, he ends up taking you all plus Martha to what seems to be an abandoned portion of the police precinct. And initially it just seems like it's a storage room of some sort. Like nobody has been here. It seems to be a little bit forever, but as you guys look at the door and you see the chief kind of pull something out from his breast pocket, you see a kind of marble key. So marble in the sense of what most Greek architecture and statues were made of. So like this glossy white marble key he pulls out and says, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm assuming you guys unstrapped Mac from the car because we just walked in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to mention that. But when I heard you say and the rest of you guys walk in i'm like okay so he, he probably already assumed to be an unstrapped man on top of the yeah. cruiser no no he stays up there he's out here guys i'm on the fucking roof over here guys <laughs> you know what i'll look over at him smile give him the thumbs up and then turn around walk away and don't even let up the change <laughs> yeah so crap i'm assuming like halfway through you're like oh crap we got to go back for him and you run back and untie him <laughs> Cory was already there untying him, he finds out. You're like, guys. I'll just be giggling and looking back and watching this happen. I, I, I just break the chains with a wooden crowbar. Hey, no, we don't do that. 
we don't break things. <laughs> I'll say for you, Rage, I will say because your chains are a part of your thing. When, if anybody touches it and get it, and once Mac gets free of them, I'll say that they disappear and they return to your possession. That's weirdly satisfying, though. That'd be dope. Oh, yeah, just for sure. Them. Because it's a part of you, I'll say that it just returns to you. But anyways, so now that we've got Mac off the top of the car. So you know the what? chief. I'll, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I go and talk to I want to talk to everybody and just like joke around. And so shouldn't I use my chains just to wrap around and just do what Hulk does to Loki and just freaking smacks them around left and right? Oh, my God, that would be an amazing kind of combat maneuver. But we'll do that once we have another combat. We're going to test that theory out because now I want to see and see if that happens. We are, effective at, we are clearly effective at taking out one opponent. Can we take out multiple? That is the main question. We'll visit that in a little bit. But now that we got Mac off the bat of the car, we go back to the, the storage door and the marble key. And the chief kind of steps forward, puts the key into the lock and turns it. And you guys see that this kind of rotted, somewhat rotted wooden door begins to transform into kind of a once again, a marble door adorned with gold kind of trimmings around the frame of it. And as the chief kind of takes the key out and turns the door handle and opens it, you guys are all met with kind of this blinding white light. And as your vision begins to clear, still on the outside of this door, the chief just looks at you all and says, is my friends, for these special type of cases, as I said, we have a special unit of the precinct that we like to deal with these. So, gentlemen and Officer Dawes, welcome to Pandora. Will there be fighting? <laughs> Maybe in a little bit, but let me give you the tour. As he, the chief extends his hand into the door and says, let us begin and walks on through and holds the door open for you guys to walk on through as well. Thank you. Take a second to say, can you imagine me just doing that move that we talked about earlier? Straight up to Zeus. <laughs> Maybe tall, but just sitting there whipping around like a rag doll would be funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. It could happen. If you want to spar with Zeus down the line, you can, but that'll be for a different episode. Down, that'll be downtime. <laughs> that'll be downtime. Be like, I want to fight Zeus. I'll be like, okay, cool. Echoes first. He's first on the list. Alrighty. Okay. And so, yeah, would you just ugly? I'm assuming the four of you are going to walk through the door. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So as the four of you walk through the door, so the chief says, "Welcome to Pandora." So as you guys walk in, it's very interesting because it was a marble door. As you step over the threshold of the door, inside completely of as you step inside this entire long corridor is completely made up of this kind of black marble with a light blue kind of trimming around everything. So think of it as like the Matrix style with all the codes of zeros and ones just floating all over the place and glowing on this corridor. And as the chief with Martha 
being carried by him. And as he leads you there, you guys notice that there are a whole row of cells. Currently, they're all empty. But as you come up to one of them, you see the chief kind of enter some sort of code on the padlock in front of the cell, which opens the door. And he just places Martha on the bed. So on the inside of the cell, it's what you typically see in a jail cell. So there's really just a singular toilet, a sink and a bed. But as the chief kind of places Martha there and closes the cell door and locks it up, you just hear him say, Pandora, begin analysis. And from the ceiling, your surroundings, whatever, you just hear a kind of monotone female voice is like, yes, chief, beginning analysis right away. And inside the cell, you begin to see once again, this code of zeros and ones like the Matrix style begin to formulate around the cell. Analysis complete, beginning reconstruction. And inside the cell, you begin to see it start to take shape. The code begins to spread. The concrete floor becomes this lush red carpet. The walls begin to be filled with different posters and news clippings of Martha's accomplishments. And then you see in the back wall, all of a sudden, a giant dressing room mirror begins to coalesce inside. Essentially, once this is complete, you guys come to the understanding that Martha's cell has now been recreated as her dressing room. And over the loudspeakers, you just hear this once again, female voice says, Reconstruction complete. Thank you, Pandora. Make sure to keep an eye on her. Yes, Chief. I will make sure that she, she's taken care of. So was, this your, was this your plan if you ever caught me? You necessarily haven't done anything yet. But Pandora is a special type of... Let me put it this way. Are all of you familiar with the Legend of Pandora's box? Yes. Okay. Officer Quinn just raises his hand because once again, he just sees. No, not Quinn. Dawes is just I'm not too familiar. What exactly is it? The chief begins to explain. Simply put, Pandora's box. Pandora was a Greek woman who was given this box and with all types of chaos and evil locked inside of it. And as a test from the gods, they gave it to her and they told her not to open the box and the under circumstances. Otherwise, you release the chaos and the evil into the world. Long story short, curiosity got the best of her. She opened the box. She unleashed chaos into the world. And most and early Greek society used that as an allegory as to explaining why evil is let into the world. It wasn't her fault exactly. Because the gods punishment for humans, but that's just another story to get into. Indeed, I agree. However, this version of Pandora is the same thing. The only way to access Pan my Pandora is to open the door with this key as he pulls out the key from his pocket. And Pandora is used to keep tabs. I use Pandora to keep tabs on the different rifts of the city. My mission is to not necessarily eliminate them, but to rehabilitate and figure out exactly what's going on with them and rehabilitate them and release them 
back into society. But of course, if I keep them locked up in your standard jail cell, none of that would happen. So I'm using Pandora here to help with the more rift centric cases and criminals in that matter. But to answer your question, Mr. O'Reilly, should you break the law and should you be get on my radar, as is true with any of you? As a police chief, I do have the duty to make sure justice is served. So, yes, should you get on my radar and make a big enough noise, I unfortunately will have to bring you in here. You ain't catching me. Oh, no, it's never my intention to put you in here. Just remember, with your powers, there is still a code of law that needs to be followed. And if you break said laws, there are consequences. So as long as you don't intentionally break those laws, you will be fine. Okay, that's a good one. I was just staring back and forth. Okay. He turns to you, Mac. Again, intentionally. If things happen in investigations and cases, it's the matter with the territory. You're dealing with mythos. But don't go hurting the sleepers out there because then we'll have bigger issues. Okay. Cool. All right. Josh, you were saying something? I was going to say while the chief is talking to O'Reilly and them, I call it to Doss and I tell her, and. Out of all the evil and chaos that was released out of Pandora's box, there was only one good thing left in it, and that was hope. So all of this kind of makes sense. Essentially, this place is to be filled with all types of chaotic, all types of chaotic uh, people or beings, whatever. But there's still hope that they may be rehabilitated. What fitting name for this place? Definitely. As the chief kind of looks around, I was quite surprised when I found out about Pandora, but I'm hoping to use her to be able to help those rifts who need a little extra guidance and need that extra help. As he looks onto Martha's uh, cell with her still passed out, still breathing, but the jail bed that she was now is transformed into like a very... Small but nice kind of full-size bed with pillows and blankets and stuff like that. You know what? I'm going to say really quickly. I'll just say in front of everybody, I wish I could have got a video of that. (laughs) Be like, bro, nobody recorded it. We can't upload it to YouTube. (laughs) To be be fair, everyone's going to say that we're using CGI. You just see some freaking guy go up in the air and completely obliterate this chick. Yeah. But, it's like some WWE elbow off the top rope type stuff. <laughs> you, you, to be fair, anyone who... To be fair, if they did say it, they're probably going to ask him to do wrestling now. Actually, one of my friends is a manager. He is an asshole. No, we're not <laughs> connecting universes. We're not connecting universes yet. <laughs> oh my goodness, but that would be fun though. Maybe down the line, but we'll talk about it later. And so the chief kind of looks at all four of you. Other than that, I am going to finish getting Miss Ellis here and getting Pandora to do the initial intake. But feel free to use the rest rooms and the beds here. It's been a very long night for all of you. 
and you all have more than earned a good night's sleep and kind See of you all later. so i will be in contact with you all shortly in about a day or two but until then get some rest go hug your loved ones because there's going to be a lot to talk about but in the meantime, go get some rest and I will see you all. And he kind of escorts you all out of Pandora, closes the door and the marble door then de transforms back into a wooden door. Demarbalizes, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> or transforms. Marble doors roll out. Oh, my gosh. That's the name of this episode now. <laughs> Dang, it went faster than most. And so as the four of you, along with Officer does just outside of this and says, I don't know about you all, but I'm going home. I'm tired. This was a lot. This last few days was insane. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go to sleep. (laughs) I'm going to go home and make dinner. And get asked 101 questions. We'll get to that (laughs) next time. Okay. I just want to do it when I'm going home because there's a lady. Okay. So, with that, you all, yeah, all of you make your way back to your respective homes. And Corey, you get home with your daughters. You begin making dinner. Mac, you get home where Zegel friend is waiting for you. Krupp, you end up going home. Officer Dawes drives, Quinn and Dawes drive you home and they stay for a little bit at your place before leaving to head home themselves. Dean, you return back to the university and you just go crash into your dorm room. And no drinking, as- no drugs? What the heck, man? <laughs> well, Dean is old enough. I'll say that you probably hit one of the college bars real quick and you go hang out with some other students before going back to your dorm a little bit. <laughs> but as the four of you begin to lay down in some version of a good night's sleep, You begin to reflect on the last few days and everything that has transpired from doing your investigation to meeting all sorts of different types of risks, such as the ghost, the banshee, the ghost of Christmas yet to come with your what you initially believed was the suspect to just all the crazy things that you have seen and done. And as all of you begin to fall asleep, the camera kind of cuts back over the horizon line of Pain Town as it takes in the neon bleached signs and just the night life of Pain Town as the camera begins to fade. And we close out on case one with the credits, quote unquote, rolling and the title card of case one killing her softly and and that is where we're going to conclude this episode of Knights of Pain Town. Okay. What we have to do now. Favorite parts. <laughs> we have to geek out which is favorite parts, but I'm sorry guys, I like to read stuff when I'm bored. I've read what geek out actually does in game now. So for what Geek Out actually does is how has the crew grown this session? Recover a burnt power tank or mark attention on your crew theme. Which characters had the most meaningful interaction with your character this session? Add one point of help to hurt with that qu- person. 
And the last right is, which of your themes is the most strained if it collapses? What new aspect will show up in its place? I don't believe we ha- any of us have a strained mythos. or Not yet, logo. at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, our crew has grown considerably. We have grown a lot since... Yeah, considerably since the beginning. Oh my goodness. Okay, so here's what I want to do, because I definitely want to get into that, but... I think what I'm going to do is we're going to save all that for when we get together again, because I want to include I want to include that in our what I'm calling the fireside. So we're going to discuss everything that has transpired in this first case, but we can do that portion as well as it. So when we get together again, that's something I definitely want to do because I love I love being able to talk to my players and we just talk about everything that has transpired and just basically just t- geek out and talk about things we liked, what were some crazy moments and overall where we think things are going to go. So I'm excited, but that's what we'll do when we get back together next time. But until then, for those of you that stuck around listening to this episode, thank you to once again for tuning in to Knights of Paintown, a City of Miss actual play podcast. As mentioned, when we come back next episode, we're going to have our first fireside chat episode. We're going to discuss everything that has happened within this first case. We're going to geek out and talk about relationships between characters and also get some theories as to where this is going to head off to, as well as allowing my players to take a look behind the game master ceremony screen per se, and ask questions about why I made certain choices, what was the thinking behind certain things, and just behind the scenes type of episode. But until then, remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, let the good times roll. From us here at the D&D Vibe Tribe Productions, we will see you next time. Later! Later!